Chairman. Good morning to all of you, and we welcome all of our guests, any visitors that we may have, and also those listening on radio. Before we start our service, I have several announcements I want to present to you this morning. The ro- we have three sets of roses on the order. The first red rose is for Adrian and Marilyn Cook, who will be celebrating 68 years of marriage on May 20th. The second red rose is for Lee and Gloria Schreer, who will be celebrating 61 years of marriage on May 24th. So congratulations to both couples. And the white rose on the altar this morning is in honor of Miss Raylan Vudemark. Raylan will be, receiving, will, will be receiving the sacrament of holy baptism later on this morning in the service. Parents are Chris and Sarah Vudemark, and grandparents are Ned and Rebecca Vudemark, Tammy and Tim Eldridge, and David and Kathy Clark. It is that time of year where you have to register for vacation Bible school. Forms are available at all the entrances today. They are also available in their Sunday school classes. And if you choose to register online, you may do so at our website, firstchurchnk.org. There is also a list of craft items that are needed for the kids at Vacation Bible School. They are listed in your bulletin. If you would have any of those and would like to donate them, you may bring them and put them in the box in the Heritage Room. And today is the last day for the choir. They'll be taking a break for the summer and return this fall. So we want to thank each and every one of them for their dedication and their work that they put in this past year. That's it for my announcements this morning. And now those who are able, would you please rise and join me in our call to worship? This morning it is taken from Psalm 85. You, Lord, showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. Restore us again, God our Savior, and put away your displeasure toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will listen to what the God, the Lord, says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants. But let, but let them not turn to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, and that his glory may dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth, and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. Please remain standing for our first song of praise this morning, In Christ Alone.
Amen. You may be seated. This time I'd like to invite forward Raylan, Virginia Vordemark, and her parents, Chris and Sarah, for baptism this morning. As we celebrate uh, baptism this morning, I just want to let you all know we're going to be talking uh, about uh, the sacraments this morning, later on and during the sermon. And not only do we get a chance to witness a baptism this morning, you guys want to stand right over here, we also get to uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper. What a, what a great way to uh, celebrate the sacraments by actually participa- participating in them this morning. I encourage you to hear these words of Jesus, an invitation and a promise that's been offered to us all. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus tells his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of this age. In obedience to this command, the church baptizes believers and their children. In Acts chapter 2, during his first sermon, Peter tells the crowd there, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children, and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So having heard God's gracious promises to us in Christ, do you desire that Raylan be baptized this morning? Praise God. Now, obviously, Raylan is too young to make a profession of faith herself, and so you as her parents uh, are going to be making a profession of faith on on her behalf. It's it's this faith that you are promising today to pass on to her as she grows and and, and learns what it means to, to follow the Lord. It's this faith that she will be witnessing in the home as well as a part of this church family. And so I, I invite you as her parents to to respond to each of these questions. Do you truly and earnestly repent of your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Do you believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, and in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life? And do you intend to be Christ's faithful disciples, trusting his promises, obeying his word, honoring his church, and showing his love as long as you both shall live? And will you devote yourself to the church's teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers? Praise God. I invite you all this time, uh, the words of the Apostles' Creed are printed in your, in your bulletin. I invite you to read those words with us as a profession of our, of our shared faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again, and he ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray together. We thank you, O God, for the gift of life. We thank you for this family and for this child being baptized today. You, Lord, are the author of life and the giver of every good and perfect gift. Through the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, you have made it possible for us to be accepted into your family. I pray that you would bless and sustain this child, draw her to yourself, just as Jesus welcomed the children during his ministry. And may she grow to love you with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we also pray for her parents that you would equip them to fulfill the promise they make today. 
Bless and sustain them as they teach their children to know and love you. All this we pray in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So the, this baptism today is, is about the commitment that you as, as Rayland's parents are making to raise her in the Lord and to pass on that faith that you share. And so uh, this time I ask for you to, to uh, respond to this commitment uh, by, by responding, we do with God helping us. Do you promise to instruct Raylan by word and example with the help of the Christian community in the truth of God's word and in the way of salvation through Jesus Christ? Do you promise to pray for her and teach her to pray? And do you promise to nurture her within the body of believers as citizens of Christ's kingdom? Praise God. And this is not just about Raylan or just about you guys, but it's about us as a church family coming alongside and, and promising to support and equip you as well. Not only, uh, you know, faith formation begins in the home, but it also is supplemented and, and we're able to help by coming alongside you and, and helping her to know the Lord as well and helping you to equip you as parents to pass on your faith to, to Raylan. And so, brothers and sisters who are gathered here today, as we receive Raylan into Christ's church, I charge you to nurture and love her, to assist her to be Christ's faithful disciples. And with joy and thanksgiving, we now welcome you into Christ's church, for we are all one in Christ. We promise to love, encourage, and support you, and to help you know and follow Christ. Awesome. This is the exciting part here. Don't be too scared. <laughs> Raylan, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Let's pray together. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the free gift of salvation that is made available through his death and his resurrection. Thank you for the symbol of baptism, which is a reminder that you wash away our sins and give us new life as we put our trust in you. We pray for Raylan. Bless and strengthen her daily with the gift of your Holy Spirit. Uphold, unfold to her the riches of your love. Deepen her faith and keep her from the power of evil. Enable her to live a holy and blameless life until your kingdom comes. And may she grow to know, love, and serve you with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength. We also ask that you would look with kindness upon Chris and Sarah. Let them always rejoice in the gift you have given them. Grant them the presence of your Holy Spirit that they may bring up Raylan to know you, love you, and serve you and her neighbor through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Congratulations. As they make their way to their seats, I invite you to stand and take a moment to greet your neighbor as the children come forward for children's chat. What a bunch we've got here this morning. We've got one broken arm and one broken foot. What a way to start summer, huh? How many of you remember your baptism? Why not? It was so long ago. How old are you? Mmm. <clears throat> Well, why do we have baptism? Hmm? Did you know it's a sacrament? What's a sacrament? It's big words, aren't they? Kind of hard to understand. Well, in Christ's church, a sacrament is a way to show God's grace in which we can be a part of and participate in. So baptism is really important. Was Jesus baptized? 
Yes, he was. And so to be a part of Christ's church, <clears throat> be a part of Christ's church, then we become baptized. Now, why is mom and dad up there with the baby? Outside of the fact the baby can't walk up there. Huh? Oh, you think that's funny. Why is mom, what, mom and dad make a promise too, don't they? This all begins your journey in God's family. Because when you're little, like Raylan is, she can't say, I believe in Jesus, can she? And she probably doesn't know too much about Jesus yet because she's so little. So mom and dad make a promise that they're going to teach her about Jesus and God and prayer. And then the church family, which is everybody out here, promises also teach her those things. All of that makes her, or when you're little, learn a part of, of the love that God has for you. And then you have Sunday school and you have Bible school and things like that. And we always ask what the name is. Your full name. Hers is Raylan Virginia Vortemark. And that shows that God knows each one of us individually. And he loves each one of us because he's all powerful. And he wants us to be a part of his family. So this is the beginning of your relationship with God. Now, when are you able to say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, who will give me everlasting life. When can you do that? Not when you're a baby, but when you get older, you learn more things about God, and it doesn't make any difference if you're, if you're 3, 4, 70, 90, you still learn things about God, don't you? Right. And there's something special we do, and it's called confirmation. Remember when the kids were confirmed? And they publicly, in front of everybody, said that they believed in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who grants them eternal life. Now, you can ask Jesus in your heart at any time, but that's, this is a public display of how you believe in God. And this is part of a church family, so that you can be with him in heaven and declare your you know, love for him. Now, we have the second sacrament. What's up here on the table? What's that called? Hmm? Remember what that's called? It's called communion. Now, who started communion? When was the first communion? Remember the last week of Jesus and he was in the upper room? What did he do? He had all of his friends around him, and he did not want them to forget about him. This was all before he was crucified. So he sent out the direction and told us, do this in remembrance of me, where we have the bread and grape juice as his body and blood. And that is how we show God's love, and we ask for his forgiveness. So that's a lot to think about, isn't it? So Raylan started her journey. You're already on your journey to be God's child. And think, you know, watch when we do communion and things today, because that's a great time for us to talk about what we've done wrong and ask for God's forgiveness and know that he's done so many things for us and that we thank him. Let us pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, as we with these young minds, help them to grow in your family. Help us all to step back and think of what these things mean. And it doesn't just become, you know, things that we do without thought. Let us love you. Let us praise you and ask for forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lost in our service in the last week at Fort Polk, Louisiana, Staff Sergeant Jacob Hess, 34, from Belton, Missouri, at Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, Sergeant Mark A. Bryant, 30, from Lee's Summit, Missouri. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for a reminder this morning of, of the precious gift that children are. Uh, and Lord, not just children, but, but all, all life is a gift from you. And so, Lord, with that in mind, we also uh, come to you in prayer and ask for your provision and your healing and your peace and comfort for those who are experiencing illness and, and for those who may have lost loved ones recently. Lord, you are the giver of every good and perfect gift, and, and life is a part of that. And so we thank you for, for life. We thank you for the blessings that you bestow on us and ask, Lord, for your provision and your guidance as we journey through it, uh, through this life together. We understand that life doesn't always turn out the way we expect or the way we want, and we often face challenges and difficulties of our own doing and also things that are out of our control. But through it all, Lord, you are God, you are sovereign, and you are good. And so we trust in your will and ask that you would see us through, like a good shepherd, uh, see us through this life in whatever, uh, whatever, wherever our path may take us. Lord, we trust that your will is what's best for us, and so we come to you in, in full uh, trust and full acknowledge of that. And we, and we pray as Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. If you're able, I invite you to please stand and join with us in singing about uh, that friend we have in Jesus, hymn number 435, the first verse only.
offering this morning goes to support the Auglaize County Fair Gospel Tent. It's a ministry that takes place during the Auglaize County Fair um, and provides an opportunity for uh, people to gather and hear gospel music and, and have a time of even worship during the, the busyness of the fair. I invite you to pray with me as we ask God for his blessing on this offering. Father, we ask that you would, uh, that you would receive these gifts that we are about to give you and use them to further the work of your kingdom. And not just in this church, in this community, Lord, but specifically this day as a result of uh, the gospel tent at the fair. We ask that your word be proclaimed and your praises would be sung. And we thank you that we can be a part of that through this offering. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Those helping with the offering, please come forward at this time.
The scripture readings this morning are from Romans 6, verses 3 through 8, and 1 Corinthians 10, verses 16 and 17. Romans 6, 3 through 8. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we live with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. It is not the cup, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 10, verses 16 through 17. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. You may be seated. Before we start our sermon today, I just want to take a moment and thank Eric Hirschfeld and our choir for uh, blessing us with such beautiful music today and, and each of the last however many Sundays since you guys came back together in the fall. Um, so amazing to see how God works through you to help us and lead us in worship week in and week out. So thank you guys for all that you've done and been a part of the services. Thank you. Let's pray together. Lord, we are so grateful that we can now take, a, take time in our service to open your word and, uh, and discuss what, what, uh, what it has to teach us about these sacraments. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of the sacraments, for baptism, for Lord's Supper, and what they teach us. And I pray that as we take time this morning to, to ponder that, that you would open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us. It's in Christ we pray. Amen. We have a tendency to mark significant moments or significant events in our lives with some sort of celebration or, or remembrance, right? We, we have birthdays, we have anniversaries, uh, this is a season for graduation parties, right? All of these things are, are reminders of, of what we've gone through, right? Reminders of certain events that have, were important in our lives. And we, we reenact them, we go through them so that we can be reminded of those things, not only what happened in the past, but how those things have continued to change and affect our lives. And if you think about it, sacraments are, in a sense, like that. They are things that we do to remember what God has done for us, specifically through Jesus Christ. And so today I want to kind of frame our time together around three Three questions. One, what are sacraments? Why do we have them, generally speaking? Uh, the second is, is taking a look specifically at uh, why we have baptism in the Lord's Supper. And then third and last, uh, why we do these things together. So first, why, why do we have sacraments? Generally speaking, sacraments are, are outward signs, outward and visible signs of an inward and spiritual grace. They're physical reminders of something that God has done for us in the past. In other words, they're symbolic acts. Now, there's nothing inherently sacred about the, the physical elements themselves. They're normal, everyday items. Right here at First Church, when we take communion, we, we have Welch's grape juice and white bread. 
right? When we have communion, we have, or excuse me, when we have baptism, it's, it's tap water that's in the bowl. Although Greg and Lori are, are kind enough to make sure it's warm tap water so as not to be too much of a shock to anyone's system. But these are normal everyday items and we, we imbue them with meaning because of what they represent, not because of the items themselves. See, God's people have always used physical reminders as a way to, to think about God's faithful provision and what he's done for them in the past. And we see this throughout the Old Testament in a variety of ways. During the time of the patriarchs, people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob repeatedly set up stone altars at important locations where God spoke to them or God revealed something important to them. And so those stone altars were meant to be a reminder of God's faithfulness every time they saw it. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses encourages the people to write God's law on their doorposts, to bind them as symbols on their wrists and on their foreheads. Again, these were physical reminders. Every time they saw them, they were meant to point people to God and his law that was revealed to them on Mount Sinai. And of course, there's the Passover meal, which was first instituted in the book of Exodus, but described at different points throughout the Old Testament. The festival and the meal of Passover in particular was an annual physical reminder of God's salvation of his people out of slavery in, in Egypt. God gave instructions for Israel to celebrate the Passover at this time every year as a reminder for themselves, but also as a teaching point for future generations of all that God had done. But just as with the stones and the writing on the door frames, the lamb, the unleavened bread, the bitter herbs, and the wine, they were not special or sacred in and of themselves. They were road signs pointing to the greater spiritual reality of what God had done for them. And so let's, again, consider the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. If the significance of the sacraments isn't found in in the physical elements themselves, then where is it found? You see, the importance of the sacraments lies in the spiritual reality that they point to. They point to the the work of the Holy Spirit in the individual's life, and, and they remind us of the grace that's found in Jesus Christ and in the gospel, that Jesus died, he gave himself up for our sin and rose again, to ensure eternal life to all who put their trust in Him. Therefore, baptism and the Lord's Supper are are reminders that we can't save ourselves, but God, through His Holy Spirit, softens our hearts and transforms us from the inside out. See, the physical elements of the sacraments, they demonstrate what God has done for us. And baptism, we're reminded that our sin has been washed away by the blood of Christ, just as water washes away the dirt from our bodies. We're reminded also that we are lowered into death and raised again into new life in Christ. And the broken bread of the Lord's Supper reminds us that Jesus' body was broken for us on the cross. The juice poured into the cups reminds us that Jesus' blood was shed so that our sins could be forgiven. And so receiving the, the physical elements of communion or, or receiving the water of baptism, is, it, it assures us that we have received the Spirit's benefits just that that they represent. And so while the physical elements themselves are not carriers of God's grace, they are road signs that point to the grace that's found in the gospel. They're demonstrations of the grace given us through the work of Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so that's generally speaking what sacraments are all about. But why do we have them? Why baptism and the Lord's Supper are not some other way to remember God's work? You see, we celebrate the Lord's Supper and baptism because that's what Jesus commanded us to do. 
He gave orders to the disciples to implement these two acts as regular practices within the body of Christ. You know, the Gospels describe Jesus sharing this last meal with his disciples. And in doing so, he said, do this in remembrance of me. And then we know from the book of Acts that they picked up that practice almost immediately. Every time they gathered together, they broke bread to remember what Christ had done. And as for baptism, that, order, that, that commandment is given as part of the great commandment found in Matthew 28. Right? Therefore, go into all nations and baptize, uh, make disciples of all na- nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, we celebrate the sacraments because they're outward signs of an inward and spiritual reality, but also because God told us to do them. We talked about uh, the sacraments in general terms. Now let's, let's zoom in and look at what baptism and, and the Lord's Supper each represent. See, both of these sacraments point to the fact that you, we have been united together with Christ in his death and in his resurrection. Both the passages that you heard read this morning point to that reality. They remind us that we have been united together with him in his death and his resurrection. And as we take these sacraments, we are participating with Christ in those, in those acts. When Christ died on the cross, it was our sinful nature that died with him. When Christ rose from the grave, we were given new life in him. And so as Christians, our identity is wrapped up in Christ and in his death and resurrection. The old self is gone and the new has come. So what does it mean to participate in his body and blood? Right? When, we, when we take communion, we are reminded that what, what Christ has done for us, but it also is an assurance that, that as we take, just as we take the bread and the juice, we are, we are assured that Christ's death was effective for us. It's a promise that our salvation has been secured, not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done on our behalf. You see, when we are joined together with Christ, when we are united with him in his death and his resurrection, God no longer sees our sin. When the Father looks at a saved and redeemed individual, he sees them as if they'd never sinned in the first place. 2 Corinthians 5.21 puts it this way, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. So that, it, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So both baptism and the Lord's Supper demonstrate that the believer's union with Christ and participation in his death and his resurrection. There's two ways to, to look at baptism, and, and I want to share briefly those with you, but they're really two sides of the same coin. They're, they're just different ways of looking at the same thing. The first is to see baptism as a washing away of our sins, as the water washes over an individual, right? It is a symbolic act of the sins being washed away by the blood of Christ. This view kind of connects baptism with the ceremonial washings that took place in the temple or, or the ceremonial washings that, that religious figures like the Pharisees continued in Jesus' day before meals. But once again, we see in what Jesus, how Jesus responds to them that it's not the physical act of the ceremonial washing that, that is significant. It's what it represents, the fact that we have been cleansed and made clean and made new by Christ. The other way to view baptism is to represent, that it represents the believer's renewal and, and start as a new creation. If the believer has, in fact, been united with Jesus in his death and resurrection, then he's also been transferred from darkness into light, from from spiritual death into spiritual life. Also in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul tells us that if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. 
See, we've been crucified with Christ. Our old self, our, the one that, the part of us that was ruled by our sinful nature is, is dead and gone. And we are new creations transformed from the inside out by the work of the Holy Spirit. And so baptism, again, is a symbol, is a symbol of that, of that dying to self and, and being born again into new life in Christ. And so we are no longer ruled by sin or ruled by the things that matter to us before. We are now under the authority and, and rule of Christ. So baptism, in a sense, is a one-time event that represents our commitment to follow Jesus Christ. Right? So, so it's a matter of... of uh, it's a matter of... Uh, of, of that one time of giving your life to Christ, of, of knowing what it means to follow him. And so whether you were baptized as an infant, uh, it pointed forward, if you were baptized as an infant, it pointed forward to the reality of, of the time when you would give your life to Christ and, and assured that, that what Christ had done was enough for you. If you have been baptized as a young person or as an adult, it's a testimony or witness to what Christ has done in your life. And so I want to encourage you, if you're a Christian, if you have, and for whatever reason you have not been baptized, you know, reach out and we can make that happen. If baptism is a one-time event that represents our commitment to follow Christ, then the Lord's Supper is a reminder of that ongoing need for God's grace and provision. As we take the Lord's Supper, it's a reminder of two things. One, of our, the seriousness of our sin. Right? It's, it's impossible to understand grace if we, do, if we ignore the reality of sin in our lives and in this world. We must understand our need for a Savior before we can embrace Jesus Christ. And so the Lord's Supper is a continual reminder of the seriousness of our sin. But the Lord's Supper is second also an opportunity to give thanks to God. Because grace is free to us, but it costs Jesus his very life. He laid his life down so that we could be forgiven. And so therefore he deserves all the credit, all the glory, and all the honor of our salvation. We can't take any credit for ourselves. And so we're reminded in the Heidelberg Catechism that, that all are welcome at the Lord's table, all who are displeased with their own sin, yet trust Christ for their forgiveness. All who desire to strengthen their faith and live a better life are welcome to take the Lord's Supper. You see, repentance is an attitude. It's not a one-time event. And so communion reminds us of our constant need of God's grace. And it draws us back to him and, and confronts us with the reality of the gospel. It reminds us that we all come to the table in the same condition, that we are, each one of us, sinners in need of a Savior. So in closing, I want us to consider why we do these things together. Why, why do we do them as part of our worship service? Of course, it's possible to do these things on their own, but, but there is a reason we do them together, and it's because they're both reminders that we're reunite, we are united in our common need of God's grace. No one can save themselves. Only Christ can do that. And so when we take the sacraments together, when we witness someone's baptism, as we share the bread and the juice, we're reminded that we are uh, all beneficiaries of Christ's work. And we're also baptized into one body, we're reminded that there is one loaf where there is one body and that we are all one in Christ. It doesn't matter who you are or where you've come from. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. And as we recognize that together, it brings us together and, and tears down any walls that separates us. You see, baptism and the Lord's Supper are both public statements. They both proclaim the reality of the gospel, that Christ came to save sinners like us. 
And as much as they are public statements, they're also opportunities for us as brothers and sisters in Christ to come alongside each other and encourage and uplift one another in our walk with Christ. They unite us to Christ, but they also unite us together in our shared faith and our commitment. And so witnessing a baptism or taking communion, we're reminded that we're all in this together. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for these sacraments that we are participating in today. May they be reminders of your grace towards us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. For all those that are able, I invite you to stand and let's sing the first verse of number 394. In my life, Lord, be glorified. Even as we come to the table this morning, you know, we, we've t- I, t- I told you a couple of weeks ago, it's, it's interesting to know not just the why we do things or how, the how we do things is important, too. And, and there's a reason why these elements are, are down here on this table on the floor together, because we come to the table of the Lord's Supper together as one. It's not placed somewhere where, where only I have access to it as the pastor, but it's down here on the table so that we are invited all by Christ to gather around his table and share the elements together. It's an invitation for all of us to join in in, rec- in recognition of God's grace, uh, in recognition of our need of a Savior because of our own sin, and our common bond as the body of Christ to come around the table together, united in Him, remembering His death and His resurrection and what it means for us. So as we take the Lord's Supper together, I want to encourage you to, to remember that, that we are united together in Him because of what He's done for us. None of us have earned our way to this table. Jesus invites us himself to participate and, and be united with him in his death and his resurrection. So as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I've taken, I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So I invite all those who have received the Lord Jesus, or Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to take this holy sacrament to your comfort.
This is the body of Christ, which is broken for you and for all. Feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. This is the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you so that our sins could be forgiven. Take and drink, knowing that he died for you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Lord, we thank you for this sacrament, for this reminder of 
Jesus' body broken and his blood shed on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. I pray that uh, you, would help, you would continually instill in us a, an attitude of repentance, an attitude of commitment to follow you, to turn away from our, our sinful desires, turn away from the things that are those selfish motives and self-centered things that we do, and make you the center of our lives and our number one priority. I pray that this, uh, this bread and this juice would, would instill in us a sense of gratitude for your salvation, for the work that you have completed for us on the cross. And may you, Lord, receive all the praise and the honor and the glory that you deserve. I pray that you'd fill us with your spirit so that we may live for you each and every day, just as we are, just as we were baptized into one body. Lord, help us to be one body here in this place but also be united together with, your, with our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, faithfully serving you and, and advancing your kingdom uh, through the work of your Holy Spirit. I pray that as we go from this place, you would help us to no longer be ruled by sin, but to live for you each and every day. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now the Lord, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and be gracious to you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. You may go in peace. Amen.